Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. Welcome back to AudioPie series for GCSE students on DNA by Dennis Kelly. Guiding you through all aspects of this great play and giving you the confidence to be able to respond to the text in your exams. In the first podcast of the series, we looked at the background and context of the play. Today, we're going to delve a bit deeper into the text and focus on two things you'll definitely have to write about in any exam question you come up against about DNA the style and language that Dennis Kelly uses. First of all, we should pause to consider exactly what we mean by language and style. Language, to put it simply, is the words that the writer has chosen to use. In a novel or short story, we might be focusing more on descriptive language, the words and techniques, for example, similes and metaphors, that writers can use to create a vivid picture in our heads about the setting of a story. However, in most plays, the language, the words that are used, is predominantly made up of dialogue, what the characters actually say, and it's from this dialogue that our understanding of the characters is mostly formed. With style of language, we often talk in terms of whether it is descriptive, persuasive, or emotive. In a play such as DNA, which is mostly dialogue driven, we are looking more at how the characters speak. So, not just what the words they say are, but also how they say them. We need to think about what how they speak reveals to us about them as people, their thoughts and their feelings, and what we learn about the relationships between the different characters. This is particularly important in DNA. There are two key questions to consider when we're looking at the style and language within DNA. Why do some characters say a lot, and some characters say very little? And, Why do some characters prefer to speak and some characters prefer to listen? Let's think about these two questions for a moment. Leave DNA and its characters aside for a second and just think about real life. In real life, it's only natural that people behave in this way, isn't it? Think about a typical class with 30 students in it. In any class, there will always be those that seem to have a lot to say, always asking or answering questions and making comments. And those that tend to say very little. In real life, some people are louder than others. Some people prefer to take things in and listen to others, don't they? There are various reasons for this. Some people are naturally outgoing, and some are naturally shy. Some people appear to be much more confident than others. Some people are natural leaders, and some are natural followers. In the last podcast, we made the point that, despite the shocking events in DNA, Dennis Kelly could be suggesting that what happens in the story could happen anywhere and to anyone. So the fact that some characters in the play say a lot and some very little, some like to speak and some to listen, is a very important aspect of style, as it is very realistic. Wherever there is a group of people, a gang, a class, a group of friends in a playground, that group will have a certain dynamic. Notice how the lines that Mark, Jan, and Lou speak are often just a single word, a short phrase, or a simple sentence. Mark and Jan particularly sometimes repeat what has already been said. 
this seems to clarify their understanding of what has happened and serves to reinforce the enormity of the events that have occurred. In the opening scene... Are you sure? Yes. I mean, there's no, no. mistake. No or mistake. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. Because it's not funny. Leah, in contrast, has several longer speeches that almost sound like monologues. Often she doesn't appear to be making much sense. She comes across as being very erratic. She starts sentences and then doesn't finish them, or starts to make a point and then seems to go off topic. Her speeches are disjointed with no flow and lots of repetition. Punctuation is often limited, which indicates that she is rambling with no real order to her points. Often she asks questions to Phil which she answers herself, suggesting she thinks she wouldn't get an answer from him anyway. The speech at the top of page 31 in scene 2 is a good illustration of this. Isn't it, Phil? Phil, isn't it like nuclear? Yeah, you know, you know it is, you know more than I do. I can't tell you any, you know, people getting all upset about polluting the natural order when this planet is churning molten lava with a thin layer of crust on top of a few kilometres of atmosphere clinging to it. I mean, please don't give me all that carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide, Phil, and, and look at the rest of the universe. Venus, Phil, there's a... Look, at Venus, what about Venus? But enough to melt lead or tighten with oceans of liquid nitrogen. I mean, start, Phil, a billion nuclear reactions a second. I mean, to be honest, it's all either red hot or ice cold, so... so... So, no, it's life that upsets the natural order. It's us that's the anomaly. Phil says little, but when he does speak, his speeches are structured, ordered and properly punctuated. In contrast to Leah's speeches, when Phil speaks, his words are focused and clear. Phil remains silent when those around him seem to be in a panic and losing their self-control, and this suggests that he is carefully and quietly mulling things over before he speaks. Look at page 24 in scene 1. The refuse sacks that you're going to buy on the way. Do not use the first one on the roll. Use the third or fourth. Do not be tempted to use a bin liner you have knocking around the house, as that will be a DNA nightmare. Richard, you take Brian to the head. Tell him that you found Brian crying in the toilets, asked him what was wrong, and when he told you, you brought him here. Phil seems rational and in control, especially when compared to a character like Leah. But bearing in mind what has happened, is this not even more disturbing and chilling? Thank you very much for listening. Later in the series, we'll continue to look at style and language, as it is so crucial to our understanding of the play. In the next podcast, we'll be looking at another key aspect of DNA, the play's setting. Speak to you soon. Goodbye for now. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.